Hey, party people, I'm Shama. And I'm Tiffany. And you're listening to Chai Tea Party. We are a podcast that recognizes the underdogs, the brave, the creative, and the slightly off in the Desi community. We may talk about a controversial topic, but in no way are we trying to be disrespectful. The views of Chai Tea Party may not always reflect the views of the guests we interview. We like to create a safe space with all of our guests and our listeners. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode! Today's guest is a filmmaker and author based in New York City. He was born and raised in a small town in rural Pennsylvania and became obsessed with Bollywood, so much so that it's become his career. He wrote the film Bar Bar Deco of Kala Chashma fame and is currently developing a show for ABC with Madhuri Dixit and Priyanka Chopra. Please welcome Sri Rao. So we have actually already recorded your intro without you. Um, okay. It was very nice. And uh, <laughs> so we just wanted to get started and kind of talk to you. So we know that you grew up in Pennsylvania. So you were born and raised in the U.S., correct? That's right. Yep. Okay, cool. And then now you're based in New York. Yes. I live in the city. Yeah, I moved to New York after college graduation and have been here ever since. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I know that you mentioned again, like when we were speaking earlier over email, that you grew up in a predominantly non-diverse area. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I tried to tread carefully on that one. And so uh, how does that affect the way that you grew up and you learned about your identity? Well, you know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, which is, you know, a very white, at least, I mean, even more so then than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very white, 99% white, 99% Christian uh, community. In my high school, there was probably um, maybe like two, three. I think there was three Indian American kids, myself oh, wow. included, in my entire high school. Um, and... And it was, uh, it was interesting, you know, growing up, I grew up in the 80s, and growing up uh, in that kind of an environment, it was actually, um, it was different than I feel like than it is now, because there wasn't even an awareness about how secluded it was, and how, how, lack, how much lack of diversity there was, because it's not like you were online and could find other people like you elsewhere, and then right. realize that you were in a peculiar situation. It was, um, it was sort of all I knew was that, oh, I guess this is what life is like, mm-hmm. when you're the only person who is different mm-hmm. um, in the entire, in, you know, in the entire world, it felt mm-hmm. like at the time. Yeah. Right, yeah. We have, we've talked about this before because I grew up in a very similar situation as you did. Yeah. And I feel like when you are surrounded by so many people that look different than you, you kind of forget that you're any different. Yes, you know? that's totally what happened to me. Yeah, yeah I didn't even realize. Um, and it sounds a little naive, you know, saying that now because right. now I can sort of look back on it and, and, and be like, oh, yeah, there was definitely um, sort of uh, – not overt, but sort of, you know, like microaggressions and racial, racist stuff going on. But I wasn't even aware of it at the time, mm-hmm. overtly, because um, I, I didn't realize how different I was. Um, it wasn't until I got to college and met other Indian American kids that I first started to realize, um, you know, that this was even a thing. <laughs> Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like its own form of culture shock. 
Yeah, it really is. And then at college, it turned into this thing where all of the Indian kids, you know, we had the South Asia Society, and they were like their own clique. And personally, I didn't really feel... Um, a part of that group. I mean, I would do like, you know, the Diwali show or something or the cultural show mm-hmm. and I would go to um, events and stuff, but I was never one of those kids that was like in the, um, you know, in the center of the whole SAS, um, you know, Indian American community on call at on campus and that was like a weird form of almost like reversed segregation or something Mm -hmm. or like reverse discrimination I mean I don't even know what you call it but it was the first time that I really started to feel um, uncomfortable which is ironic because I didn't feel overtly uncomfortable uh, when I was growing up in this um, white community it's when I got to college and there were a bunch Mm -hmm. of other Indian American kids like that's when I started to feel more uncomfortable Mm. yeah you know that's funny you bring it up because it's for some reason, when you get all those Indian kids together, they also start to identify people like, oh, have you heard of so-and-so? Like, she doesn't yes. really hang out with the brown crowd. Like, she has yeah, a lot of white yeah. friends. And it's mm-hmm. it's weird that that's, like, their identifying factor. And, and it, it, you're right. Like, for some reason, they look at people that aren't within that community as, as I don't know, weirdly different. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that I now can look back on it and have a little bit more of an intellectual analysis Mm -hmm. of the whole situation and and, and understand that there was a lot of racism growing up where I was from and a lot of it I had internalized so much Mm -hmm. and that maybe by the time I got to college, um, it was the first time that I was sort of forced to question my identity and my identity as a brown person and that maybe made me uncomfortable too and that's Mm -hmm. what was going on with the whole, you know, Indian kid scene and me not feeling like I was a part of it but at the same time I don't think it's that simple like there was it was also um there was also definitely like an exclusionary element to that social scene that Mm -hmm. I think still exists even today I think for some people Mm -hmm. right especially in college (laughs) yeah in college Mm -hmm. right and that's you know I mean I I sort of enviously look at those kids who um you know really fit in to the Indian groups and do all the events and all their friends are brown and like Mm -hmm. it's a part of me is like wow that's great that that works for you because it must be really I don't know it feels like it must be really easy but um it was not that way for me Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think on some level that the, these schools have that as a problem. It's like the, we had joked about it once, it's like the auntie gene. Like, for some reason, they all get together and it, like, ends up being malicious. And yeah, <laughs> right. They all yeah, gossip it's like, a lot. It's like hate copy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't gravitate more towards the students, like the uh, like the cultural groups and things, because I know you said you became Bollywood obsessed, and I feel yeah. like the student association at least where i was in school people were obsessed with bollywood yeah so it's interesting because i grew up with bollywood and i yes i'm obsessed with it and has become my career since then um and but i had a different relationship with it because for me it was sort of like my thing and it was the thing like my mom is um has been obsessed with bollywood and that's how i was exposed to it and you know, um, I love the movies and the music and all that sort of thing growing up as a kid. And um, I never really shared it with anyone outside of the family because there was no one really to share it with. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And then when I got to college, yeah, there were 
it was almost sort of like I they weren't like true Bollywood fans in my mind, like compared to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yes, they would dance to a song during a cultural show or something, but they didn't really know as much as I did about any yeah. of the movies. Uh-huh. They had probably never even seen them. most of the people I at least at the time, like most of the kids that were dancing to those Bollywood songs had never even seen had never even seen the movies and right. were, had no oh, interest wow. in watching the movies. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just really much more into it. I was much more hardcore in a way. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, you guys are amateurs, you know. I did, so I was, oh, it did not, I did not like find my people there, I guess. Uh, surprisingly, I did not find my people there. That's really interesting. Like, I had a completely different growing up experience. Um, I lived in Ohio when I was a kid, and I didn't know any, really, I didn't know any Indian people. And I would get called out like all the time, like, why is your skin color different? Like, ugh, oh, at least wow. I'm not brown, like all that shit. But I still also had like, white friends you know um but once i moved to michigan i already had a community because my parents already had their friends here so i was friends with all their kids and i'm still really good friends with all of them um but i had like that indian community but i watched bollywood movies because it was the thing to do but i was still like yeah but i'd rather watch disney and i'd rather watch this and you know so even though i was surrounded by indian people forever i still wanted to like be the Indian kid that wasn't always Indian. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, danced. I went to religious just... classes. Like, I did all of that. But I was like, no, I'm still going to be the, quote, whitewashed Indian kid. But I was never, like, white enough to be the actual whitewashed Indian. I don't know. It was, like, a weird <laughs> yeah. thing. Because there were those kids that didn't do any of that. That they were just, like, they started playing guitar when they were in fourth grade. And they, like, didn't do tennis. Mm-hmm. They did hockey. You know, like, that kind of uh-huh. thing. Yeah. So I was, like, always that in-between thing. And, like... There's definitely some cachet to being the outsider, you know, to being yeah. the other yeah. when you can be a Amer- sort of white in an Indian world and mm-hmm. Indian in a white world. Right, There's definitely yeah. something to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, it, the, the, the Bollywood thing um, also is interesting because there, at some point it happened where there was a shift in Bollywood becoming cool. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. always cool. And um, I think it has become more cool recently um but that definitely that shift happened at a certain point like in high school when i was growing up no one no indian kid admitted to watching bollywood i don't even know if they did Mm -hmm. and then i think once we got to college then it started becoming more of a thing that people were into and that people acknowledged that they were into and if you didn't know about it then i think at a certain point it became like you were on the outside yeah and i don't know if that's because there were less of us at least in your situation and mine like there were less Indian people in high school, and so none of us yeah. wanted to be, like, super Indian. Mm. But then it was like we were all closet Bollywood watchers. Yeah. And so <laughs> right. everyone, like, comes out of that closet in college, and then somehow, like, the person that doesn't watch is now on the outside, like you said. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, a cultural capital to Bollywood. That's a recent phenomenon. Oh, yeah, it's wild. And also just in high school in general, people are trying to figure out who they are, and they're, like almost forced to be shamed in anything they like whether it's their favorite band or the tv show or sport even i don't know and people are just like oh i can't like that i can't be the one that loves that then i'm a they that freak or you know what i mean like you can't be obsessed with anything really like people are gonna judge you no matter what and we're still trying to figure out what we want to do so like right and i wonder like sometimes i wonder i don't know how much i was teased and 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 bullied as a kid which Mm -hmm. i was Mm -hmm. because i was brown and different or just because you know everyone is for one reason or another and um i mean looking back on it now i definitely have to imagine or um 
I, I think that, uh, yes, some of it definitely had to do with the fact that I looked different than everyone else because I was made fun of in middle school. I was made fun of a lot. Um, I was bullied. You know, people would make fun of my name um, and just how I looked and all of that sort of thing. And um, definitely there is an element of race tied into that. Mm -hmm. That can't be denied. Yeah. Um, but at the time that I was going through it, I wasn't able to identify it in that way. And I don't know if that makes yeah. it better or worse. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it makes it better or worse to be oblivious to it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I wonder that too. Like, sometimes ignorance was bliss, but then it's like, is it? Though? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> right. No, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. I yeah. don't know. I don't think it's something that you can, like, put too much thought into even because it's not like, I don't know. There is no answer. There, so I mean, like, yeah, yeah, there's no answer, and it's not going to really change anything, is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not. It isn't, you know. Um, I was always just really secure. I think I felt like I was really secure in being Indian. You know, I was really interested in Bollywood. Um, I've always really liked Indian food. Um, I am religious. I'm Hindu. Um, and I've never um, felt like uh, that was a problem for me personally. I've just always really identified with all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and I never really felt a need to... Um, I guess to make a big issue out of it, it was just always something that's been a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's good. To, I think that's hard for a lot of people to get to that point. So it's amazing that you were able to get there faster. Um, yeah, I guess so. And um, I, I guess I, I, I jumped over that part of being um, angry. <laughs> like I see a lot of, yeah. like I have a niece and nephew um, who are in, who just graduated from college uh, recently, like this year and last year. And um, I see a lot of with them and their friends. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of anger. There's a lot mm -hmm. of, which I don't deny, like they definitely have reasons to be angry um, about different things in our society right now because we have a lot of social injustice and a lot of issues that need to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess I was maybe too naive to be angry about it. Um, I was just... Um, confident in who I was and, um, and, and didn't feel a need to make a big issue out of it. That's really amazing. And I don't know if that is, like you said, right now, because what's happening in our worlds are a lot smaller now. And so, yeah. you know, your, your niece and nephew have everything in the palm of their hand on their phone versus, yeah. like you said, you're kind of in your own world when you're a kid and you're growing up in like the eighties and nineties because you're just, you're oblivious to the things that are happening around you outside of your neighborhood. Yeah, and I know that, you know, we would say as a whole, it's better now to, so to be aware and to be connected and to, mm -hmm. be, um, to be knowledgeable and, and then to be able to fight back and to make a statement and to, you know, sort of do all of these things. But I have to say, um, in some ways, it was easier when you didn't know because you were sort of in your bubble. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It, it in some ways was easier. A hundred percent. Kind of shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about your career. So, and and kind of how you got there. So, when you decided to go to college, what did you wanted to study? So, you know, I, I I'm a I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer now, and. Um, when I was growing up, I've always been interested in writing and directing and acting. And so I was that kid that was always doing theater in, in oh, school. I and I wrote my first play when I was in kindergarten. Oh and I directed gosh. it and put it up for my class and everything. Like, I was oh, that nice. kid that was super into into drama. <laughs> and um, it's what I always knew I wanted to do. I was, like, 
always um, entering playwriting competitions and speech team and oh, you know cool. and theater and all that stuff. And then when I was ready to go to college, um, I wanted to you know go to like Princeton and study drama and sit under a tree and read poetry or something. Um, but my parents, of course, being the good Indian immigrant parents that they were, that they are, um, were not having any of that. So, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, they were not having it. Um, so they said, okay, listen, if you're not going to be a, a doctor or an engineer, my dad's an engineer, if you're not going to be a doctor or an engineer, which we're like we're never even on the table for me right. like I was like never even entertaining those options as much as of course my parents I'm sure would have appreciated that uh -huh. um they said if you're not going to do either of those things then um at least you can go into business you can go to business school so I went to Penn because uh, I'm from Pennsylvania so I went to Penn which was just two hours away from home to um study business okay. and that was going to be so I was and so I thought okay well I'll do this because maybe I can find something creative within the business world that I can do so I decided to study marketing so that I thought that I maybe would go into advertising because then I could write oh, okay right do copywriting yeah exactly that's what I thought mm -hmm. um but then that never actually really happened and um after I graduated um, from school, like I said, I moved to New York and I got a job uh, at a big at a big consulting firm, and um, I was sort of living that very um, fast paced, you know, life in Manhattan. And I had a, my client was in LA, and so I was flying back and forth every week from oh Monday through Thursday, and, and working that whole crazy um, consulting world. Uh -huh. And I did that for two years, um, two uh -huh. or three years. And then I just woke up one morning and um, realized that I had to quit. No wow. kidding. Good for you. Yeah, it was, um, you know, because I still loved, I still had my loves, which was TV and theater and film and all that stuff. And I, it was my 24th, 24th birthday. <laughs> and, um, and I realized that I was doing this thing, this job, I had this career and I was getting paid good money. And I just sort of looked ahead and thought, what am I going to do this for, you know, the rest of my life mm -hmm. or am I going to do this until I'm 40 or something and then what and then um you know I'm going to be miserable so if I'm going to try something now is the time to try it yeah. and so that's when I decided and I and I had like my backup plan that I had to tell my parents which was that I'm just going to take a couple of years to figure mm -hmm. out what I want to do and then I'll go and get my MBA mm -hmm. um because you know <laughs> with Indian parents you always have to negotiate yeah <laughs> exactly. yes <laughs> So what did they what did they say when you put that out there? Um, so at first they um, well yeah of course I mean I'm I'm sure that they were mortified and freaking out but <laughs> yeah. I also didn't I didn't entirely engage in the conversation with them you know <laughs> yeah. because I was I wasn't even sure what I was doing on my own mm -hmm. for myself so mm -hmm. I couldn't really get bogged down in their reactions to it and so I think I only told them at first what. I felt like they needed to know, which was, okay, I'm just going to take a year or two off and then I'm going to get my MBA and I'm going to do just some stuff on the side. You know, I'll do some consulting, like part-time, which I did do because I had to make a living. Um, and I was just trying to figure things out. And so they kind of went along with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then that's how I started. And I didn't know what 
I wanted to do exactly. Um, and so I started in the first six months, I just started taking a bunch of classes. I took acting classes and, um, and I did writing and directing and I, and I just wanted to find out what this world was all about. Cause I really didn't know anything about it. So did your parents know that you were taking classes or did you not really keep them? Uh, yeah, I, I, they, uh, yeah, I kind of let on, but we didn't really talk about it much. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like a need to know basis, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, particularly hide it from them but I also wasn't like oh my god guess what I took my acting class today and it was so great or yeah. you know I, I didn't I didn't go into all that into all that detail and I think that this is a really I mean this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys because I think it's a very real thing that we go through as Indian mm-hmm. kids is that whatever it is that we want to do like for me it was to be an artist but for someone else it could be that they want to be a social worker or they want to be a chef or they want to be you know who, whatever it is if it's not doctor, lawyer, engineer, pharmacist, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's anything outside of the approved list, um, then what do you do? Right. Yeah, that's a very real thing people are still dealing with. It doesn't matter, you know, how long your parents have been in the country. It's, they want that stability for you. And, and for some reason, it's like one or the other, like you have to, it's doctor or engineer or lawyer. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, I mean, the thing that I always say to people is that there's two things to keep in mind. One is that pursuing your dream is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is no understating that there's no understating that. Um, even though I've been doing it for a while and I'm, you know, fairly established and have a, some amount of success, it's still really, really hard. And it's, um, it's hard because there is no set path. It's hard because there's so much rejection. It's hard because um, there's a lot of uncertainty, and so so that so that is a give. That is sort of the first thing that I will tell people. But then the second thing that I always say is that it is even harder to not chase your dream and to not pursue yeah. your passion. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing that people don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say to your parents, you know, I want to do this thing, which sounds crazy. The first thing that they'll say to you is, you know, why would you want to do that? You know, your life is going to be so difficult. How are you going to make any money? You know, you're going to struggle so much. Mm-hmm. And all of that may be true. But the thing that your parents never say and that no one else ever says also is that it is so hard to wake up every day and go to a job that you hate. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, this is so true. And thinking that there is something else that you could be doing, something that you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stopping you, society, parents, like, and then having you know, that regret just... later, like yeah. that's a big burden mm-hmm. to bear. Yeah, yeah, and just the day to day of it, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's it is exhausting. Yeah. Yes. it's soul sucking. You know, it Especially is soul sucking. You were in consulting, which is like one of the most soul sucking jobs that there is yeah, in right. New York City. Like, how did? Yeah, I just. Yeah, and so you can't <laughs> underestimate that, that mm-hmm. um, everyone thinks that, okay, it's going to be hard to do something non-traditional because of the money part of it. That's what yeah. everyone always yep, goes to is the, the money part of it and <laughs> yeah. how you make money, you know, and how you be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing is that you, it is, I have seen so many people, you know, and myself included, and many of my friends um, who are in excruciating you know, pain <laughs> because yeah. they're stuck in jobs and in careers that they don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of hours of every day. And that's a lot of hours yes. of every week. And that's it's a, a lot of hours of your of your life. life. Yeah. 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 And you're, I mean, life is hard as it is. It's about picking what kind of struggle that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
you know. Totally. And you're right. Yep. It, it is all about the structure because if you are, you know, you decide to go to college and then you go to med school or like you take your MCAT and you go to med school or you go to grad school or whatever, there are all these like set marks, right? So after yeah. a certain four years, you know that you're doing that. And then after that, you get a job. And after that, you get married and then you pop up some children and then, you know, so like yep. those things are all put in line. But I feel like when you do go into these creative fields or things that are a little bit different because that path is not set which i think is exciting because mm -hmm. that gives you a world of opportunity versus mm -hmm. knowing what the rest of your life is going to look like and no pressure yeah 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 because <laughs> right. you're not following someone's footsteps like oh but right. they did it in three years and blah, you know it's like yeah yeah it makes it i think like that's the exciting part of it but you're right you have to decide to either struggle now and figure it out and then be happier later on or you take the path that's already like given to you and then right. you're set, but then you maybe have that struggle later in life. You will definitely have the struggle later. And that's <laughs> the thing about the, the path that is set for you. That's exactly what it is because we get on this track and, you know, it's middle school, then it's high school, then it's mm -hmm. college, then it's med school, then it's residency, then it's mm -hmm. your fellowship, then it's your first job. And in between there's marriage and mm -hmm. moving in the house and all that stuff. But eventually there will come a time when you realize that, oh, shit, the there's no uh, path ahead. Like you've done yeah. all the things, you yeah. know? Right. And now you've you finished your residency and you're 35 years old and then you realize, oh shit, there's no next thing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that happen so many times to people. And that's what they call a midlife crisis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like that shouldn't be the norm. to have a quarter life crisis and a midlife crisis. Yeah. Uh, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> no, we got to have a tangent, but... So um, you take these classes. Do you have some sort of epiphany and you're like, I need to start writing now? Um, yeah. Well, I had always, like I said, I've always, I had always been writing throughout my whole life. So I just sort of went back to it. I had stopped all through college. I didn't write at all during college. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I got sucked into the college world, and I was in, yeah. you know, Wharton undergrad, and it was like a whole business thing, and all my friends were doing that, and you just get sucked into your the world that you're in, you know, whatever that might be. Right. Um, and so that's a good point, which is that I think the biggest thing that I did during that six months or in that beginning part of the process is um, I started making new friends, which mm -hmm. made a huge difference because all of my friends that I had at that time were from college and they're, they're still friends of mine to this day, but mm -hmm. they all, we all went to business school, you know? And yeah. so everyone was like working on wall street or working mm -hmm. in accounting or working, they were all doing business stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, they didn't understand what the hell I was doing. You know, they thought that I was crazy that I was that I quit, yeah. and they really didn't have any clue, like in terms of advice or anything about what I should do next. So I actually made by chance one friend who was a, a stage manager on Broadway. He like my age, like really young, still. He wasn't in Broadway at the time. He was still just struggling, and and then he had a bunch of friends who were struggling actors and. And so I started getting into this whole New York scene of, you know, young, aspiring actors and theater people and, and indie filmmakers and all that sort of, that sort of crowd. And um, that made a huge difference for my life because then I started making some really great friendships in that circle and we were all in the same boat and we were all doing the same thing, not in terms of that we were like pursuing the same um, career, mm -hmm. but that we were all chasing a dream. We were all trying to do something non-traditional. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into that world and that you surround yourself with that peer group, which, which is why I think your podcast is so great. When you surround mm -hmm. yourself with that group, then 
it doesn't phase you anymore because it's like yeah. oh there's you have your community and then everyone it feels like everyone's doing it and right. it's such and a it motivator feels, then too because yeah. those people help push you in the right direction and and don't allow you to get down on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's powerful. Or we all get down on ourselves together. It's yeah, really right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but there's exactly. no judgment in it. Because <laughs> we're all yeah. doing it. We would go to the McDonald's in Times Square in the theater district <laughs> and get, you know, the Happy Meal or whatever that we could afford for three ninety nine, and then sit there and commiserate over French fries. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's a great way to yeah. practice self-care. So. Yeah, it really is. Oh, thing. my God. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's French fries, there is nothing better. There no, is nothing there's better no. when All you're down. Salt. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know that's, like, partially plastic or something, but I just don't care. Oh, no, I really don't mind. I, yeah. Whatever it is, it is. It makes me feel good. It makes, me, it makes the pain go away. That's all that matters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sucks the pain away. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, now you're within this new group of people, and how do you start – like when do you start to draft your movies and like start writing more of that well that was much later um but i started by um so the i guess the other so yeah one thing that i would say is definitely surround yourself with like-minded people find your tribe get your community to support you and then the next thing that is that you have to do is like you just got to do it you just Mm got to do it and so um I just you have to create your own opportunities. So the first thing that I did was I wrote and directed a small one act play, mm-hmm. and um, like just completely on my own, put an ad in backstage for actors, cast it, directed it, put it up in a tiny little um, black box theater downtown in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and um, and put up this play. And that was like six months after I quit. I th- oh, no, 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 oh, sorry, wow. it was um, it was a year after I quit. Mm-hmm. It was a year That's after. Awesome. It took me a while to sort of figure stuff out, and and then I got this idea. And um, that's still and relatively like, fast. Like yeah, it's really fast. Not that I, mean, long. I think that people are doing that a lot more common now. With mm-hmm. um, commonly now with you know YouTube and you know indie filmmaking yeah. and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But that definitely is um, very important to not wait around for someone to give you an opportunity, but to do something. And so I yes. did that and. Um, I ended up making some amazing friendships. Like those four actors that I cast in that show are still to this day some of my closest friends. Aww. And um, and then the show ended up getting picked up and taken to L.A. And we put it up in L.A. for a couple of weeks. And then I ended up getting my first agent out there in L.A. Holy cow. Wow. With that play. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So you, you just got to do it and then see what happens. Yeah. We are very much firm believers in creating your own – I mean, as you're like, doing yeah like literally right Aww. now that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know like I, I i'm definitely a believer that like if you put your work out there you're putting out this energy and the, it'll work out for you you just have to like really try yeah um and if you're doing what you love you don't feel like you have to try that hard and it's just oh yeah you. exactly oh my god that play that we did it was called precipice it was probably the most fun experience i've ever had still to this day oh, professionally so it was just so much fun because i made these great friendships and mm-hmm. you know no one was getting paid and we were all just in it together and mm-hmm. we were struggling and then when we got that little bit of success it was i mean it was so fun like we went to la and we were staying at the Bellage Hotel on Sunset Boulevard, and we're like <laughs> rock star life, and for two weeks, and we um, shared uh, our our hotel room was right next door to uh, Motley Crue's. Uh, what? <laughs> so <laughs> random! Oh my so god! So totally random. Oh, and I should just say this wasn't this did not happen when Motley Crue was famous. I am not that old, but it was like, <laughs> like later. Um, they 
just toured last year, so it's not really that weird. Yeah, but. it's fine. They keep going on their like last tour every right. year. Exactly. So. Well, they were on one of those tours when we were at on Sunset Boulevard, and they ended up um, asking if they could share our balcony for this like party that they had with all these like strippers and rock stars. It was crazy. That is That's so awesome. wild. Yeah. Did yeah, you so like it was just, like, fun that? stuff like that. You know, you cannot recreate those, those no. memories. No, and that's kind of the best. When You know, even, like, looking back at anything, the, the ones where you're working the hardest and, like, the longest hours and you are starting yeah. to hate yourself are, like, the highlights mm-hmm. yes, of your comments. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So what did you start to do once you um, got your agent? So um, once I got my agent, I really started focusing on writing for television because that's always been my passion. I love TV. I love the types of stories that you can tell on TV. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my thing, much more so than film or th- and theater, both of which I love, but um, TV has always been the, the goal for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I've sort of been on a continuous journey since then up until now, quite honestly. It never ends. Like, I mm-hmm. don't feel like I've sure. made it yet. You know, I'm still, it's just, it just continues one thing after another. And I've gone from one project to another um, consistently over the course of the last 10 years or so. And um, when you're a working screenwriter like I am, the gig really, and this is the other thing that people don't necessarily understand, is that you have an idea of what you think a career is, whether it's in the entertainment industry like mine or whether it's in some other, any other industry. Mm -hmm. You have this idea of what it is, you have this dream of what it is, but you really probably don't know what it truly is until you get there yeah it's a romanticized version yeah exactly and with the entertainment industry people have this certain picture that it's about um of course people think that it's about glamour and fame and all that stuff which it of course is not entirely about that Mm -hmm. but people also i think have this um impression that at some point you make it um Mm -hmm. and making it in the entertainment industry is it looks very different than what I think people think it looks like. So, for example, if you're a working professional screenwriter like I am, or if you're a working professional actor like many people are, um, most people probably don't know your name. You know, mm-hmm. you're probably not famous. Um, yeah. But to be a working um, artist in the industry means that you're consistently going from one project to the next Mm -hmm. you're getting paid to do your work you get up every morning and that's what you work on it's your full-time gig Uh, but the reality is that 90 percent of all the projects that are developed in hollywood in the entertainment industry never see the light of day right wow that's a huge percentage yeah yeah at least 90 percent. i'm talking about 90 percent of the stuff that i work on meaning the stuff that's professional and that people get paid for Mm -hmm. you know like from professional like big name studios and networks and stuff Mm -hmm. 90 percent of that stuff doesn't get made i mean if you're if you're not even at that point yet where you're still trying to get indie stuff made and everything then it's an even higher percentage point Mm -hmm. um so so yeah so that's been a big uh learning lesson for me is to realize that oh wait the the thing is not to get a show on the air or get a hit movie on the screen and to have everyone know your name and then you'll have made it. No, actually, if you want to have a career, the grind is you get up every morning, you write, or you go to your auditions, or you do whatever it is that you do, you get paid for it, and then it probably fails or you know if you're very very lucky then on an off chance um, one thing will see the light of day and maybe be successful and then you keep going and hopefully you do that for like 40 years (laughs) right yeah um i was gonna say this might be a good time to play the game 
Okay, let's do um, it. I know you're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> this is the easy part. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you don't know our questions, so it's actually going to be no, very I difficult don't. for you. And there are right, correct right. No, answers. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's no rigging here. No rigging here. <laughs> All right. So um, this is a part of the show where we play a little this or that type game that we have brilliantly named this or that. We're so That's creative. <laughs> As a writer, I give you major props for that title. <laughs> thank you. You worked really <laughs> thank hard. You, thank you. Yes. Um, we're bowing right now. Yeah. All right. So we have five questions for you. There are right answers. So your opinion oh, better be right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The pressure, the pressure. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, we'll let you know if it's wrong. We'll hear, okay. hear a lot okay, of signs. Please do. Yeah. I'm good with rejection. <laughs> please tell me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is just for you, you know, just so you don't get too cocky about how well you're <laughs> Keep doing. Keep you grounded. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be cut down to size. Thank you. All right, ready? Yeah. Okay. Ironing or vacuuming? Vacuuming. Bears or ghosts? Ooh. Uh, bears. Oh, okay. Magic eight ball or Rubik's cube? Rubik's cube. Ooh. Oh, that was a fast one. <laughs> yeah, magic, magic eight ball was always a little weird to me. I didn't like the the, the water that was stuck inside it the magic like eight ball. Purple or oh, something. I thought that was yeah. so cool. No, it was weird. I, it always kind of grossed me out. I was always like, what is that water? And Did you ever have it where you shook it and then it landed on like the edge? Oh, yes. and you're like, okay, well, this means death then, apparently. <laughs> Absolutely, no, that's a bad omen. Yeah, yeah. Rubik's yeah. cube is much less, uh, much less ominous than a, ma- a magic eight ball. True, yeah. but far more frustrating. Well, I can never do it. Oh, don't get me wrong, I can't do a Rubik's cube, but it's just, <laughs> I think, less intimidating. Yeah, True. and it's fascinating. And you could throw it; it won't break. I just know that. Yeah, from don't throw an eight ball. Yeah, Definitely don't want to throw it. Yeah. You get oh, all gross slime all over yourself. <laughs> There's a website where you can um, do a magic eight ball and click it, and it'll tell you the right answer. Once oh, I wasn't yeah. sure if I wanted to go to a party or not, and I, I used the website. Did you? Wait this was like a I've month ago. That. I've seen that website. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. I ended up going because it said yes. Did you have a good time? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Huh. I guess oh, it was great. Well. Well, yeah. maybe, I'm really maybe. bad at making decisions. So. <laughs> it's perfect for an indecisive. Okay, anyway. Uh, sunglasses or watches? Oh, can I say both? No. I'm really into both. Oh, Ooh, um, sunglasses. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> this or that? <laughs> <laughs> this. Because it's Correct. always it's always better to be happy with what you have. Oh, oh you yes. yeah, well done. You weren't even anticipating that. Nice. That's why yeah, that is a correct so answer. some points for that. that yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna like rag on you for the bears or ghosts one because ghosts was the right answer, but you definitely <laughs> bought yourself cute. some. There's po- nothing cute about ghosts. Casper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Point one, Casper. <laughs> Oh, well, Casper. I loved Casper. I went as Casper for Halloween one See, then how could you do this to Casper? <laughs> how That's old were true. you? <laughs> that is true. I loved Casper. Was this, like, oh, last yeah. year? You... I, need to, yeah, I need to find that picture of me as Casper. Oh, my, oh God. my God. We will use Please that for the episodes. Send it to oh, us God. once you do. I have do. no idea where that is. I need to find that. You I do. do need to find that, though. That will be amazing. Yeah. Please keep us posted on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, we we sometimes say this for the end, but since we're talking about other random things, this is just something we like to ask all of our guests. Um, 
what is one physical as well as one non-physical trait that you really like about yourself? Um, oh, geez, God, that's a, that's a rough question. <laughs> um, we, we like asking this because I don't think people take the time to think about that stuff, especially when you are in a, in a, you know, culture that will put you down a lot and, yes. you know, you're always taught to not like who you are. So and we, in a field where, yeah, yeah, yeah everyone's yeah. like very judgy and. Yes. Um, um, I think that's a really good question actually, because you're right. I think it is good for people to focus on that because we focus on the negative for uh, the entire rest of our lives. Um, yeah. So I will answer this confidently. Oh, good, wonderful. It's, it's not something that you normally like to, you know, talk about or think about. Yeah. Think that you're both or saying no I think it's good it's a good question we're good it's good to be body positive and confident yes. about these things mm-hmm. yeah um, I am um I am proud did you say proud of or that you like what did you say either, either one, one. Yeah. yeah well I like the fact that I'm tall okay oh okay and yeah, um and I and I like I, I think that that carries for better or for worse in my case for better um it, it carries um there's a certain amount of something that goes along with that, unfortunately, in our society. Like, mm-hmm. when you walk into a room for the first time, mm-hmm. and if you're tall, yeah, um, then it, I don't know, it, it has a certain stature to it. And it makes me feel, as because I feel insecure walking into a room nine times out of ten anyways. Aww. So, um, if you can walk in and at least see over people's heads, <laughs> then it makes me feel a little better. You're literally one-upping them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a good um, one. And then the thing that I don't like, God, I no, 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 no. no it's just, <laughs> that's not part of this. Yeah, no, one, it's just a physical attribute and then, like, something that's not physical about yourself that you like, like a quality. Oh, okay. All positive things. So I don't need things, to go through yeah. that laundry list yeah. of things that I don't like? Oh no, no, We no. would never ask you to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. <laughs> that would be terrible. Um, the thing, a non-physical thing that I like is yeah. um, I like that I'm smart hmm. and, um, and I, I, I value that, and I value that in other people, uh, particularly in the industry that I work in, where mm-hmm. um, not everyone is smart. <laughs> um, uh, I think that, like, if you're smart, um, it helps a lot in life, not because of book smarts or anything, but um, because um, it allows you, it gives you a certain amount of um, ability to look at your life in um in an introspective and thoughtful way Mm -hmm. like that's why i value being smart not because like oh you can be smart and like get good grades or something like that or or get a good job because frankly you know being smart doesn't do anything for me in my career really (laughs) Uh, but it's more about how you can move through your life so it's Mm -hmm. not even about um intellectual smarts i think it's about um emotional and kind of spiritual oh, smarts i, I love guess. that i love you know? beautiful answer yeah yes. and that is the correct answer yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay good. good i got one right yeah See, you're, you're doing, doing well you're doing yeah. really yeah. well Let's go back to um, what we were talking about before. So, uh, yeah, tell us more about your writing and, like, eventually how you got to writing for movies. Okay, so um, I've always wanted to... I've had this dream of working in Bollywood, Mm -hmm. and it's always been just that, a dream 
because I'm, you know, I live here and I was born here and, you know, I've only been to India a handful of times in my life. And um, at a certain point, a bunch of years ago, maybe it was maybe eight years ago or something, I called one of my agents um, and said this to him. I said, you know, I just have always wanted to work in Bollywood and I don't know how or what that would look like. And he said, well, if you're ever going to India, um, let us know and we'll set you up with some meetings. Hmm. And so I planned a trip to India like the following month for this reason. <laughs> yeah. And went with my parents and we went to Bombay for a little while before visiting family. And my agents set me up on a couple of meetings with some studios around uh, Bombay. And one of them was at Yashraj Films. And they were uh, getting ready to make this movie, which ended up being called New York. And mm -hmm. they knew that, you know, I worked here in America and I had done a bunch of production. Um, at the time I had a production company and they asked if I would come on board um, for my production company to produce it with them. Wild. And that happened like, it's one of those things, sometimes this happens, and this has not happened to me often, because you hear this story from, I think, a lot of people, but mm -hmm. it doesn't really happen that often, but it did happen to me this one time, where you walk into a room, and things just, you know, coincide, and someone gives you this big opportunity, mm -hmm. and that is what happened that time, you know, I walked into a room, it was, I had two meetings with them, and at the second meeting, I think they even actually said it in the first meeting that I had ever met them, and, but then by the second meeting, it was sort of like a done deal, and wow. that all happened over the course of this one trip to India, mm -hmm. and so I ended up um, making this movie, New York, which starred John Abraham and Katrina Kaif, mm -hmm. and Neil Nathan Mukesh, and that took like a year of my life. We shot it all in Philadelphia, which doubled for New York City, and mm -hmm. it was this amazing, overwhelming um, learning experience and introduction to the world of Bollywood for me. What professionally. a huge step to take! Yeah, right yeah, off the it bat, it was huge. Yeah, <laughs> like what our did, jaws dropped. Yeah, like, like, when you're what did that feel like to then all of a sudden be like? okay, we're doing this, and now yeah. we're shooting. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're shooting this. So we had already had um, a bunch of experience in production, my company, and I had a team of people that I was working with. So we knew that we could handle it, or we thought that we could handle it um, from the production standpoint. But we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into in regards to this being such a huge Bollywood movie that we were producing in America mm -hmm. and what that meant in terms of we were going to be managing a crew that was like 100 people from India and 100 people that are American from mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and putting those two groups together and expecting them to get along and to work well together for the course of six right. months. Right. And that was a major process and a major learning experience. And that was sort of like trial by fire. Mm -hmm. um, so that was overwhelming and, um, and, and, and daunting. But ultimately, in the end, um, we ended up making a really good movie that I'm very proud of. Kabir Khan, did a, the director, did a great job um, with it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I can be proud of to this day. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's it's huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That's yeah, and game. so then that was my my introduction to Bollywood, and mm -hmm. I've had um, other experiences um, in Bollywood and sort of crossing between the two worlds. Um, I'm developing this um, this script, this project for ABC right now um, with Priyanka Chopra and Madhuri Dixit, and that's sort of my one of my ways of bridging these two worlds that I love, mm -hmm. meeting mm -hmm. uh, Bollywood, America, and India, and what it means to be Indian American. Right. Do yeah. you ever? 
oh, think. Oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, did you ever think that you'd be saying that sentence that you'd be working with Madhuri and Priyanka, <laughs> like two of like no, Bollywood no, goddesses? Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No. The yeah. the the time the first time that I spoke to Madhuri, it was over the phone, and I freaked out. Oh like, my god! I bet. In my head, right? She's a living legend. Yeah. She is an icon, you guys. Like, yeah. there's no two ways about it. She's like on a whole other level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I totally, you know, still to this day, like, her, you know, her um, cell phone number is in my cell phone, and just the fact that, like, her name is in my cell phone. Right, I just so weird. Her, you, you, like, know, geek out every time you, like, pass the yes. DMs. Yeah, <laughs> for, sure, for sure, for sure, yeah. And that part, so that part's really fun. That part's really exciting, mm-hmm. because, um, like, that's just so quintessentially me. Like, that's so quintessentially mm-hmm. second-generation Indian-American, you know, to be you know, freaking out mm-hmm. about Madhuri Dixit, you know? It's right? something... Yeah, that's such a beautiful mm-hmm. moment for, like, you know, this Indian-American yeah. kid coming yeah. up in Philly. <laughs> completely, completely. And I feel like that's that's what we all need to go for. That's what it's taken me a really long time to, to learn, I have to say, quite frankly, which is in the beginning um, of my career, I was always writing things that sort of were sort of adjacent to my own personal experience. You know, there would maybe be an Indian-American character, like, as a supporting player in mm-hmm. the ensemble, you know? Yes. Um, or I would, you know, make, I don't know, just sort of somehow, like, never sort of dealing with it directly and head-on mm-hmm. because I just felt like it was my interests are too peculiar and too specific. But what I've come to learn recently and you know, it's taken me this long to realize that. Like, no, just go for what is specifically you. Mm-hmm. Go for the thing that is most uniquely you that mm-hmm. you are excited about, even as random and as crazy and as niche as it might seem like it is. It's really do not. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, and it's it's you'll realize that it, a lot of these things are like universal for people yeah. that come from the same, uh, you know, slice of the population. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think that's why people are going to be so excited about it. We're so excited is because it is something that you don't get to see. Because you're right, it's like it's the sidekick, it's the goofy friend. It's never like you, especially never see a woman of color as the main lead. um, With a story like this, and I think a lot of people are really excited to see, you know, us not push this side for once, because you still have like you know Big Bang Theory. Yeah, has like an Indian character, but he's, like, bad with women and, like, can't talk to them unless he's drunk. And so I think that people are are craving this right now and that it'll be – you'll be able to see that for how well people react to it. So I think it'll be big. Um, Well, what do you want to see? Like, you guys um, as the audience for it, really, like, what do you – I know that without going into specifically, like, Mm -hmm. what the story is about, but, like, what is it that – you want to see when you hear this idea that I'm working on this show with Madhuri, you know, and Priyanka? I think some people are scared. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've heard this directly from some people, like, that they feel like this is our chance as, um, you know, obviously not our chance because it's it's you guys doing this, but it's like... Yeah, no, it is our chance. Yeah, yeah, it's our chance to get the foot in the door and, like, be taken seriously as a market of people and, like, that we matter and our stories matter. Because finally there is a an Indian woman, you know, it's and her she's like the main woman on this show, and that and they're telling our story. It's not just like the Mindy Project, um, where w- they don't really go into that too much, which is cool. Like you know, it's still neat to see her be directing and writing and starring in her own show. But this is a big crossover thing for us. So 
I think people are are wanting it to be done well and be true to what our stories and our identity looks like and feels like and sounds like. Um, so I think they're just looking for that, for like a true narrative coming from the show. And how would you, because this is very helpful for me just to hear all this while I'm in the depths of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think our true story is? What What's the essence of our story? Like, it, what is the essence of that? It's like everybody else's. You know, we're not like the nerdy kids that can't talk to other, you know, the other sex. And we're not the mm-hmm. people that just do things because we're supposed to. And it's a model minority complex we have to fill. Like, we are living and breathing humans. And we're not restricted by what our skin looks like and where we come from that, you know, we can be like the other people. We can do anything. And so, you know, if, if someone, you know, if, if I were to come out as, like, g- gay tomorrow, right? Like, that should not shake the entire world. Like, I'm still just right. a human. And if any other white person can do that, why is it any different for us? So not being restricted by, like, that and, our, and the taboos that are placed in our community is everything that we talk about on this show. Mm-hmm. We're just yeah. normal people. And um, along the lines of how Indian people are always... Um, like, we're always a caricature in a TV show or a movie. I feel like we are like that in real life, too, where people want to make us the token brown kid in the yes. group of, you know, white people. Or, um, uh-huh. you know, like, we don't have our own thing. We're just kind of there. Yeah. And so to have any type of show or movie to show that, no, we're part of society just like everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. we were born and raised here. Even if we weren't and we moved here when we were seven years old. Like, we're still here in this world trying to figure it out together we are the ones that are writing our own stories, you know, um, literally, figuratively, like all of that. Right. Um, we're not just on the sideline. Like, we're not just the good kids that just study and we don't have personalities or lives. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. You know, we're right. the same kids that, you know, snuck out of our parents' house to right. like, be yeah. boys. And, yeah, we underage yeah. drink and, you know, and like, like we yeah. failed classes sometimes, like, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, yeah. we are just or, normal fucking kids yeah. who turn into normal fucking adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that kind concept like shatters people's lives like you know (laughs) we have to be on this pedestal and for some reason our community also thinks that we have to be better than everybody else which Mm -hmm. in a a way makes sense but Mm -hmm. at the same time like we're just we're humans it's not real it's not true it's it's not and like shama and i for example like we're we're good indian kids you know like we're not Mm -hmm. like trying to stay away from like anything Indian or you know like we we still are like you know good kids like we're we're, proud we're of friends our with our parents yeah we're proud of our culture yeah but we also both dyed our hair blonde we have tattoos yeah. like we drop know? out of school like, right yeah mm-hmm. you know, we've yeah. done things a little bit differently and this is what normal looks like for right us. this is it really is and the thing about the Indian community is that the truth is that it's not the version of perfect that everyone tries to think that it right, is it's yes. just that people don't talk about anything mm-hmm. you know yeah because mm-hmm. they want to blanket over it and pretend like everything is that we are perfect mm-hmm. completely completely yeah so sorry we just like rant no but that was no, no, that no, was but, awesome I mean, i'm just thinking because you know because i'm literally working on the story and stuff right now and i'm just you know thinking it's just a, it gives me a lot of good stuff to think mm-hmm. about that's great yeah we we're really excited to see what comes of this and and to see our, our, our truths and our reality on the screen in front of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all it's a really difficult, <laughs> it, it's a, yeah, totally. It's a really difficult process, you know, developing a show for network television because mm-hmm. there are so many people involved and right. there are so many 
different layers that you have to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am also uh, very hopeful, but it's also very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unfortunately the reality of it. It's, it's, it's just really challenging. It's, re- it's challenging to get anything on the air. Um, and then it's even more challenging to get something like this on the air, which yeah. is difficult, you know, and complicated to do right. Mm-hmm. Well, know that you have an entire community of people behind you that are rooting for you. Thank you. And for your success in this. Thank you. That really means a lot. Yeah, because when you're a writer, you spend all of your days alone with mm-hmm. your computer in your apartment alone. You know? Right. Um, so it's nice to hear that, that, you know, which is why I wanted to reach out to you guys also, is just sort of connect to to your community, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime you need a pep talk, just text us. We'll, <laughs> we'll give you a little push in the right direction. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Well, this was such a joy. This was absolutely incredible to talk to you. Thank you. It was great talking to you guys, too. You gave me a little boost to get through the um, my all-nighter of writing tonight. <laughs> well, best <laughs> You're <of> welcome. <laughs> and, um, and I have to plug my book. Yes, yes. So please plug all the things. Where can people find you on the internets? On the internets, you can find me at New York 3. That's my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, website. Everything is New York 3. Okay. Um, and my book is coming out on November 7th, and I'm super excited Ooh, about it, exciting. so I hope people will check it out. It's called Bollywood Kitchen, and it um, pairs my love of Bollywood with my love of home-cooked Indian food. Ooh, love it. So it's kind of like a dinner and a movie concept where I take my favorite contemporary Bollywood movies and pair with each one of <gasps> nice. meals. It's like wow, what they do with the Oscars, so cool. like for Oscar parties and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Cute. It's gonna be. It's and it. Um, it starts with um, Kuch Kuch and then mm. works up from there. So it's like contemporary mid nineties to um, the present day. Oh, that's perfect. amazing! I yeah, love it. That's, yeah, that's so great. I know. And you can watch all the movies that. on Netflix, so anyone can rent them, and um, yeah. and then nice. there's like a meal to go with it. How perfect. So I hope everyone checks it out. It's on sale on Amazon. It's on sale. F- it's actually on sale. Um, now on Ooh. Amazon, oh, meaning it's discounted. Nice. I know how much every how every Indian kid loves good sales. So yes. uh, yeah. that is why I that out. <laughs> we will put the links for everything and a link directly to the Amazon um, site for your book Thank you. in the description of the podcast. So all listeners, you guys can grab that ASAP. Yeah. Um, Thanks, you guys. Again, thank yeah, you. thank you. This thank you so, so much. wonderful. All right, we will talk to you soon. Please keep us posted on all the incredible things that you're doing and going to do and et cetera. Thank you, and I will keep listening to your podcast. Yeah, yeah we love so that. Much. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, well, guys. Have a it was nice talking to you. Yes, you, you too. too. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh, my God. He's so if you like rural Pennsylvania, said no one ever, stress-eating McDonald's fries, or fabulous Indian women, make sure you subscribe and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And share this with someone you like. Or don't like. Someone who is still stuck in a bubble. Someone in your creative tribe. Or someone who is also excited to see more brown women take center stage. Woo! Thanks for listening. Cheers! Cheers! Yeah, let's do that. Cheers! It sounds like we're saying cheers. Also chairs. Wait, what have you been saying? (laughs) Tables. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Cali man. Hey. Yeah. Always a right journey.
and keep listening. <laughs> <laughs>